Chapter 36 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording, read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. Our good master sees that if we have this heavenly food, everything is easy for us except when we are ourselves to blame, and that we are well able to fulfill our undertaking to the Father that his will shall be done in us. So he now asks him to forgive us our debts, as we ourselves forgive others. Thus continuing the prayer which he is teaching us, he says these words, And forgive us, Lord, our debts, even as we forgive them to our debtors. Notice, sisters, that he does not say, as we shall forgive. We are to understand that anyone who asks for so great a gift as they just mentioned and has already yielded his own will to the will of God must have done this already. And so he says, as we forgive our debtors. Anyone then who sincerely repeats this petition, fiat volatuus tua, must at least in intention have done this already. You see now why the saints rejoiced in insults and persecutions. It was because these gave them something to present to the Lord when they prayed to him. What can a poor creature like myself do, who has had so little to forgive others and has so much to be forgiven herself? This, sisters, is something which we should consider carefully. It is such a serious and important matter that God should pardon us our sins which have merited eternal fire, that we must pardon all trifling things which have been done to us, and which are not wrongs at all, or anything else. For how is it possible, either in word or in deed, to wrong one who, like myself, has deserved to be plagued by devils forever? Is it not only right that I should be plagued in this world too? As I have so few, Lord, even of these trifling things to offer thee. Thy pardoning of me must be a free gift. There is an abundant scope here for thy mercy. Thy son must pardon me, for no one has done me any injustice, and so there has been nothing that I can pardon for thy sake. But take my desire to do so, Lord, for I believe I would forgive any wrong if thou wouldst forgive me, and I might unconditionally do thy will true. If the occasion were to arise and I were condemned without cause, I do not know what I should do. But at this moment, I see that I am so guilty in thy sight that everything I might have to suffer would fall short of my deserts, though anyone not knowing, as thou knowest what I am, would think I was being wronged. Blessed be thou, who endurest one that is so poor, when thy most holy Son makes this petition in the name of all mankind, I cannot be included, being such as I am, and having nothing to give. And supposing, my Lord, that there are others who are like myself, but have not realized that this is so. If there are any such, I beg them in thy name to remember this truth and to pay no heed to little things about which they think are being slighted. For if they insist on these nice points of honor, they become like children, building houses of straw. O God, help me, sisters. 
if we only knew what honor really is and what is meant by losing it. I'm not speaking now about ourselves, for it would indeed be a bad business if we did not understand this. I am speaking of myself, as I was when I prided myself on my honor without knowing what honor meant. I just followed the example of others. Oh, how easily I used to feel slighted. I'm ashamed to think of it now. And I was not one of those who worried most about such things either. But I never grasped the essence of the matter, because I neither thought nor troubled about true honor, which it is good for us to have because it profits the soul. How truly has someone said, honor and profit cannot go together. I do not know if this was what the person was thinking of when he said it, but it is literally true, for the soul's profit and what the world calls honor can never be reconciled. Really, the topsy-turviness of the world is terrible. Blessed be the Lord for taking us out of it. May his majesty grant that this house shall always be as far from it as it is now. God preserve us from religious houses where they worry about points of honor. Such places never do much honor to God. God help us. How absurd it is for religious to connect their honor with things so trifling that they amaze me. You know nothing about this, sisters, but I will tell you about it so that you may be wary. You see, sisters, the devil has not forgotten us. He has invented honors of his own for religious houses and has made laws by which we go up and down in rank, as people do in the world. Learned men have to observe this with regard to their studies, a matter which I know nothing. Anyone, for example, who has got as far as reading theology must not descend and read philosophy. That is their kind of honor, according to which you must always be going up and never going down. Even if someone were commanded by obedience to take a step down, he would, in his own mind, consider himself slighted. And then someone would take his part and say, it was an insult. Next, the devil would discover reasons for this. And he seems to be an authority even in God's own law. Why, among ourselves, anyone has been made prioress is thereby incapacitated from holding any lower office for the rest of her life. We must defer to the senior among us, and we are not allowed to forget it either. Sometimes it would appear to be a positive merit for us to do this, because it is a rule of the order. The thing is enough to make one laugh, or it would be more proper to say, to make one weep. After all, the order does not command us not to be humble. It commands us to do everything in due form. And in matters which concern my own esteem, I ought not be so formal as to insist that this detail of our rule shall be kept as strictly as the rest, which we may, in fact, be observing very imperfectly. We must not put all our effort into observing just this one detail. Let my interests be looked after by others. I will forget about myself altogether. The fact is, although we shall never rise as far as heaven in this way, we are attracted by the thought of rising higher, and we dislike climbing down. O Lord, Lord, art thou our example and our master, Yes, indeed. And wherein did thy honor consist, O Lord, who hast honored us? Didst thou perchance lose it when thou wert humbled even to death? 
No, Lord, rather didst thou gain it for all. For the love of God, sisters, we have lost our way, and we have taken the wrong path from the very beginning. God grant that no soul be lost through its attention to these wretched niceties about honor, when it has no idea wherein honor consists. We shall get to the point of thinking that we have done something wonderful because we have forgiven a person for some trifling thing, which was neither a slight, nor an insult, nor anything else. Then we shall ask the Lord to forgive us as people who have done something important just because we have forgiven someone. Grant us, my God, to understand how little we understand ourselves and how empty our hands are when we come to thee that thou of thy mercy mayest forgive us. Since all of these have an end and punishment is eternal, I can see nothing meritorious which I may represent to thee that thou mayest grant us so great a favor. Do it, then, for the sake of him who asks it of thee, and who may well do so, for he always being wrong and offended. How greatly the Lord must esteem this mutual love of ours for one for another. For having given him our wills, we have given him complete rights over us, and we cannot do that without love. See then, sisters, how important it is for us to love one another and to be at peace. The good Jesus may have put everything else before our love for one another and said, Forgive us, Lord, because we are doing a great deal of penance, or because we are praying often and fasting, and because we have left all for thy sake and love thee greatly. But he has never said, Because we would lose our lives for thy sake or any of these numerous other things which he might have said. He simply says, Because we forgive. Perhaps the reason he said this, rather than anything else, was because he knew that our fondness for this dreadful honor made mutual love the hardest virtue for us to attain, though it is the virtue dearest to his father. Because if it is very difficult, he put it where he did, and after having asked for so many great gifts for us, he offers it on our behalf to God. Note particularly, sisters, that he says, as we forgive. As I have said, he takes this for granted, and observe especially with regard to it that unless, after experiencing the favors granted by God in the prayer that I have called perfect contemplation, a person is very resolute and makes a point, if the occasion arises, of forgiving not only these mere nothings which people call wrongs, but any wrong, however grave. You need not think much of that person's prayer. For wrongs have no effect upon a soul whom God draws to himself in such sublime prayer as this, nor does it care if it is highly esteemed or no. That is not quite correct. It does care, for honor distresses much more than dishonor, and it prefers trials to a great deal of rest and ease. For anyone to whom the Lord has really given his kingdom no longer wants a kingdom in this world, knowing that he is going the right way to reign in a much more exalted manner, and having already discovered by experience what great benefits the soul gains 
and what progress it makes when it suffers for God's sake. For only very rarely does His Majesty grant it such great consolations, and then only to those who have willingly borne many trials for His sake. For contemplatives, as I have said elsewhere in this book, have to bear heavy trials, and therefore the Lord seeks out for Himself souls of great experience. Understand, then, sisters, that as these persons have already learned to rate everything at its proper valuation, they pay little attention to the things which pass away. A great wrong or a great trial may cause them some momentary distress, but they will hardly have felt it when reason will intervene and will seem to raise its standard aloft and drive away their distress by giving them the joy of seeing how God has entrusted them with the opportunity of gaining, in a single day, more lasting favors and graces in His Majesty's sight than could gain in ten years by means of trials which they sought on their own account. This, as I understand, and I have talked about with many contemplatives, is quite usual, and I know for a fact that it happens, just as other people prize gold and jewels, so these persons prize and desire trials, for they know quite well that trials will make them rich. Such persons would never on any account esteem themselves. They want their sins to be known and like to speak about them to people who they see have an esteem for them. The same is true for their descent which they know quite well will be of no advantage to them in the kingdom, which has no end. If being of good birth were any satisfaction to them, it would be because this would enable them to serve God better. If they are not well born, it distresses them when people think them better than they are, and it causes them no distress to disabuse them, but only pleasure. The reason for this is that those to whom God grants the favor of possessing such humility and great love for Him forget themselves when there is a possibility of rendering Him greater service and simply cannot believe that others are troubled by things which they themselves do not consider as wrongs at all. These last effects which I have mentioned are produced in persons who have reached a high degree of perfection and to whom the Lord commonly grants the favor of uniting them to Himself by perfect contemplation. But the first of these effects, namely the determination to suffer wrongs even though such sufferings brings distress, is very quickly seen in anyone to whom the Lord has granted this grace of prayer as far as the stage of union. If these effects are not produced in a soul and it is not strengthened by prayer, you may take it that it was not divine favor, but indulgence and illusion coming from the devil, which he makes us think to be good, so that we may attach more importance to our honor. It may be that when the Lord first grants us these favors, the soul will not immediately attain this fortitude. But if he continues to grant them, he will soon give it fortitude, certainly at least as regards forgiveness, if not in the other virtues as well. I cannot believe that a soul which has approached so nearly to mercy itself and has learned to know itself and the greatness of God's pardon will not immediately and readily forgive and be mollified and remain on good terms with a person who has done it wrong. For such a soul remembers the consolation and grace which he has shown it 
in which it has recognized the signs of great love, and it is glad that the occasion presents itself for showing him some love in return. I repeat that I know many persons to whom our Lord has granted the grace of raising them to supernatural experiences and of giving them this prayer or contemplation which has been described. And although I may not notice other faults and imperfections in them, I have never seen such a person who has this particular fault, nor do I believe a person exists, if the favors he has received are of God. If any one of you receives high favors, let her look within herself and see if there are producing these effects, and if they are not, let her be very fearful and believe that these consolations are not of God, who, as I have said, when he visits the soul, always enriches it. That is certain. For although the grace and the consolations may pass quickly, it can be recognized in due course through the benefits which it bestows on the soul. And as the good Jesus knows this well, he gives a definite assurance to his Holy Father that we are forgiving our debtors. <laughs> 